Say this with me, Heavenly Father. Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those that are watching with us on Facebook Live. This is our Resurrection Sunday, so we're so glad that if you could not be with us here in the sanctuary, that you can be with us online. We are so excited. This is the pinnacle of the Christian experience. The pinnacle of the Christian experience is not Christmas. The pinnacle of the Christian experience is that he came to die, but that he rose again. And that that resurrection life is a reality to us in what we do every day. And so we're asking you to just participate with us in here. We're going to share some truths about resurrection in a different way, maybe than what you've heard it before. And we believe that you're going to be blessed in the name of Jesus. And at the end, we'll have a time for you to come and sow into the ministry as well. All right. So we're continuing on in our theme of destined for increase um, based on resurrection Sunday. Um, you know, I almost put a, a tweet out there that said, um, Jesus is dead, April fools. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I almost did that. I said, you know, some people might have took that the wrong way. And so I didn't do it, but I thought about it. I thought about it. If anybody want to quote me on that one, you can in Jesus' name. Uh, April fool, uh, no, he rose up on the third day in Jesus' name. And it is because of his rising up that um, the power that we need is available to us. Um, my mother, Apostle, used to sing a song, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Right? Because he lives, and now I have hope for my future. And life is worth the living. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this Sunday for us is a big, big deal. We don't, you know, I could have went light and I said, Lord, I can't, I can't give you gospel light. I'm just, that's just not who I am. I got to give you the full dose because if, if this goes wrong, everything else falls apart. All right. Um. And we're going to talk about the fact that, you know, we've been talking about seed and first fruit, but the biggest seed that God ever sold was Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about, that he became the first fruit so that we could be sons of God. Right? God wanted a world and sold the seed of his son. So through the seed of his son, he could gain the world back to him. Right. So our objectives here 
Number one, to encourage you to pray, plan, and prepare for 2018 in which you are destined to increase and walk in the best that God has for you. Two, to sensitize you to the necessity of spiritual sensitivity and prophetic patterns as the baseline for personal planning. Three, to emphasize, re-emphasize the purpose of planning, prayer and planning, which is the ability to act on time with purpose in line with the will of God in such a way as to maximize your life and kingdom contribution along the destiny path. Four, to prepare us to properly respond to key opportunities to increase through internalizing prophetic impressions, connections, characteristics, empowerments, and outcomes related to your destiny. And the greatest empowerment there is is the power of the resurrection, right? Well, Pastor David, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead. That's what your Bible says. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to offer himself up to the Father, and he, Scripture says he was raised from the dead by the Spirit of holiness, which is the Holy Spirit. So even our receiving that empowerment of the Holy Spirit really is the power of the resurrection being manifested in our life. Five, to prepare you to sow and receive from first fruits offerings. Six, to demonstrate the precept and example of the power of first fruits giving. And we're going to really talk about the power of God the Father giving Jesus as a first fruit offering to get us back. And seven, to highlight principles of reaping and patience that empower you to maximize your life. Genesis 1, 26 through 29 has been our core scripture for this series. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that you'll see, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit, tree, whose fruit you'll see, to you it shall be for food. So we've been talking about in our... our um, Review points is that uh, we believe that God wants to raise us up as a lighthouse, Destiny Generation Church. You are members and partners to be a lighthouse in our region. That's an important thing. And the light that we're shining is the light of resurrection. Like resurrection is everything. Um, if resurrection doesn't work, the whole faith falls down on itself. It's like a house of cards. If you pull out resurrection, the whole thing just implodes, all right? And so we believe that the fact that Jesus gave himself for us empowers us to give ourselves for others in our community and to really make a real difference in people's lives, that we're maturing in our knowledge and in and, and our faith in Jesus Christ so that we can represent him to the world. They didn't know uh, surely that he had rose from the dead, except that there were people who they could see that they had been with Jesus. And that's supposed to be your testimony, too, that people know you. This is not the way you was. I know you. But something's different about you. You have changed. And the change that's on your life is the power of the resurrection. All right? 
So we gave you um, eight key understandings of increased consciousness from Genesis 1. Number one, we said that God is a God of purpose. God, two, expresses purpose in pictures called vision. Three, God speaks out the picture of purpose and creates that which he saw in the picture. Before, when God went through creation, he created on, based on pictures he saw within himself. But five, when he came to man, he himself was the picture. I'm going to make man in my image after my likeness. Six, God intended for mankind to have dominion, rada, that's the Hebrew word, leadership authority over the natural and spiritual environment of the planet. Seven, God empowered man's function with the power of the blessing. And eight, God's final original gift to man was the power, practice, and principle of seed, right? And that's what we're talking about, this seed. Seed is the principle that a small thing has a picture of a big thing inside of it, right? Ever, ever seen if, uh, for any of my farmers, I mean, you know, mom used to, she, she knew how to do this because she grew up around, she grew up from the family of sharecroppers. I hate it when she had the garden because, I mean, we had to pluck and snap peas and shuck corn and, then we had to go out and get strawberries. Now, I like the strawberry jelly because her preserves are really good, but I, didn't just, I just didn't like going to get them, right? Um, but have you ever seen those little packs of seeds, and they have the picture of the harvest on the package? Now, you can have the picture on the outside, but if they have a seed that don't have that picture on the inside, then that's false advertising. Right? So when we talked about our first forgiving, we talked about the fact that the picture of the, in the mind of the farmer who is a sower must match the picture on the inside of the seed. Right? Now let's consider the picture inside God the Father and Jesus as his seed. We know that when man sinned, the picture inside of man was shifted from one of success to one of failure, from one of blessing to one of the curse, when man sinned. Genesis 3, 9 through 19. Let's look at it. Then it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, it's this woman you gave me. This, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So he was blaming God and his wife. See how he was pointing in two directions? God, you gave, you gave her to me. I have no responsibility in this. People wonder why I'm so hard on men when I teach on marriage. That's why I'm hard on brothers. Because God didn't come to her first. He came to him first. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put in between, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. That seed there is capitalized because that's talking about Jesus. So God says, I got a picture of a seed that's going to come, and when I plant that seed, I'm going to harvest all the souls back that I lost 
through Adam's disobedience. He shall bruise your head. Verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and your pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Verse 17. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So even though man took on the image of failure and was subject to the curse, God still had a picture of a seed that would be sown or planted to absorb the curse and release the blessing back to humanity. That seed would be so unique that he would be known as the second and last Adam. Inside him is the DNA of a new species of being. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. God promised Eve that he would upend the natural order and cause a woman to have a seed that didn't come from the genetic order of a man. That way, the predisposition to sin, the predisposition to sin, that's what iniquity is not sin. Sin is an act or the failure to do an act Iniquity is the thing that causes you to want to do the act before you even do it. If you come from a family of drug addicts, then you probably shouldn't be going to the bar and drinking pop. Because iniquity says that if you get a little too close to that edge, you just might fall over. So God had to have a seed that didn't come from Adam because I like the way Brother Andre said it. He said, when Adam drove the bus off the cliff, we was all in it. Ooh-wee. That's how he said Ooh-wee. That's, that's a Brother Andre term. <laughs> he said, we was all in that thing when it drove off the cliff. And so God had to have a new, a seed that didn't come from the DNA of Adam. You know, because you come from the, that's why we can have a paternity test to know if that's your baby. We can take a blood test because your blood is related to your father's blood. Right? Yeah, so we know that that's your child. So Jesus had to come from a blood because in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, it says the life or the soul of the flesh is inside the blood. So God had to come and, and empower or overshadow Mary by the Holy Spirit. And the words of the Old Testament, according to the Apostle John, became his flesh and dwelt amongst us. All right? Now, why is that important? Well, um, because when Adam sinned, all of us were, were encapsulated in it. Romans 5 and 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So I have a key statement here. Sin is a blood-borne pathogen and requires a blood antidote. You know, 
when people handle blood, they, they put on gloves when medical professionals, because they don't want, there are certain diseases that come through blood. Sin is a blood-borne pathogen. You inherited sin in your nature. It's a blood transfusion that goes all the way back to Adam, and you need a blood antidote. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fault I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right? So Jesus' earthly ministry then was in seed form. But there had to be a process that had to transform that seed so that he could harvest all humanity. Let's look at this. John chapter 12. I'm going to read 20 through 28. John chapter 12, verse 20 through 28. It says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus answering them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. A seed in the package can't produce the harvest. It must be planted. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now he starts to talk about not only his life being that seed, but now he starts to talk about your life being a seed too. He who loves his life will lose it. He who keeps his seed in the package is going to lose the seed and the package. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Let me stop there for a second. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. You know, we've said this statement, I know how many seeds are inside of an apple, but I don't know how many apples are inside the seed. I can count the apples, the seeds inside of an apple. But if that seed is planted, then there's more apples with more seeds in it. Jesus is saying, I planted myself to get you, but inside you is a seed. So if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to plant yourself like I planted myself. He's saying, I sold myself to get you. I paid the cost to be your boss. He said, you call me Lord, you should call me Lord. I paid the cost to be your boss. But just like I sold myself, guess what? You're going to have to put some points on the board too. You're going to have to sow yourself to get out, of, get out of you what I have to come through you to cause other people to be brought into the kingdom as well. All right, let's go back to that scripture. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my, him my father will honor. Hold it, hold it, hold it. 
if I sow myself like he sowed himself, then God the Father will honor me like he honored him. That's what he just said. Isn't that what he said? Did you read those words? God was satisfied. Isaiah said he was pleased with his sacrifice. Guess what? Then I can live a life of sacrifice that pleases God, and I'm going to hear him say, well done with my sacrifice, you good and faithful servant. God can be pleased with my sacrifice. God will honor me if I'm willing to follow him and, and open myself up and let my life be sown so other people can be reaped into the kingdom. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled. Uh-oh, so sowing is not an easy process. It wasn't easy on Jesus. It may not be easy on you. So convenience must not be the determination on whether or not you will and will of God. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. I was born to die. This is the main reason. This is game day. I'm not going to choke just because it's getting tough. I was born for this. Stop getting, you know, hefty, 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 wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I want some hefty, hefty, hefty Christians, not some wimpy, wimpy, wimpy Christians. Stop choking when it's time for you to do the thing that you were born to do. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then I, I, a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Every seed must go through a process of dying to itself to allow the root, the shoots, and the fruits to come forth. Death is the bridge from prototype to full production. Yeah, yeah. We have prototype cars, but then at a certain point in time, we, we have what we call SORP, start of regular production. The bridge that goes from being a prototype to producing more of those after your kind is this seed sowing death process. Jesus was no exception. And according to his words here, neither are you. You see both he and you and I are seeds of the harvest that God wants to receive in our generation. Look at Psalm 2230. Psalm 2230 says it this way, a seed shall serve him and it will be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So in God's mathematical accounting system, the difference between no fruit and a harvest of a generation is him having seed. He's expecting you and I to sow ourselves so that he can harvest a generation. Yes, he's looking for you and me to give ourselves away so that other people can be brought in into his kingdom. He's looking for you to give yourself away so that the life of resurrection power that's inside you can get inside somebody else.
And if we follow him and do that, the honor that he received from the Father, we will receive as well. What about your life are you sacrificing in order that others can come to experience the resurrection power of God on the inside of them as you have? Are you sacrificing anything so that others can experience what you have experienced? Are you just cool like I'm going to heaven and bump them? God bless me and my son Joe, his family, and no more. What are you doing that other people can experience the life of God inside of them? That's a very critical question. That's very, very critical. Well, pastor, what, what is this resurrection that I'm going to experience if I saw myself? I'm glad you asked that question. Well, resurrection is the critical truth. I got a definition of resurrection. You're probably going to take pictures of this one because it's on, it couldn't fit in one slide, all right? Resurrection is the critical truth that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, after suffering the agony up to and including his death on the cross and subsequent suffering in hell's dark domain, was born again to life immortal, invincible, and untouchable by sin, Satan, or the stains of this world, stripping Satan and the whores of hell of all their authority, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave, that he lives in a glorified, resurrected body that is completely dominant in the spiritual and material worlds and is now set down at the right hand of the Father where he sits as king, priest, savior, and lord of an unshakable, invisible, invincible kingdom, and I might add that he's coming soon to a world near you. Yeah, yeah, that's what resurrection is. I tell people, like, resurrection is more than being raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. Jesus was resurrected. Death can no longer touch him. One of my nephews said that they used to wear the, the, the bracelets WWJD in his school, some of the people that were kind of punk rockers and stuff. And for them, it meant we want Jesus dead. I told him too late, too late. He's been there, done that too late. You can't get him again. It's too late. You can't kill him again. He's already done death. Can't do it no more. Right? Cause resurrection power is a thing that separates him from him, from death. All right. So 1 Corinthians 15 is the textbook chapter on the doctrine of resurrection from the dead. I encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter, but I'm going to pick some pieces out of it, a, a good significant piece, because I want you to get this. This is really important, right? Now, I know we could, we could do the, the Easter egg stuff and all of that, but this is what you need, all right? This is molding your eggs, molding your chocolate, okay? This is molding all of that. Because I'm giving you the thing that your faith stands on. Right? So please, please, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't zone out on me on this one. All right? Um, resurrection from the dead is based on Jesus, but it includes his resurrection power flowing through you and I as well. 
1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read 17 through 23. And it says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So, so listen, don't let no, listen, you can talk to me about a lot of things and I'll have a discussion. You start talking to me about Jesus raising from the dead, baby, bye. I, I, just talk to the hand because I'm not going to let you mess with something. Now, now, some things I'm not dogmatic about, okay? You know, um, will, will Jesus come before the Antichrist? Is there really a literal Antichrist and all of that? I'm, listen, I'll let you believe one way, I believe another. You don't believe this, baby, bye. I don't have no fellowship with you. This, if you don't believe this, you're not part of the faith. So, so, uh, and I ain't going to hell for nobody. You can, you can write that one down. You can write that one down. I'm not, I ain't mad at you, but if you're going to go to hell, I'm going to let you go by yourself. This belief is that essential. If Christ is not risen from the dead, is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Man, my daddy, I stood around his bed. You mean to tell me after all that suffering he did, he in hell? No, 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 no. I ain't going down with that. I'm just saying. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable or most miserable is the way the King James said it. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now some people say Christ ain't coming again. What you talking about? I'm either going to believe you or that. I, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I try to figure like like how dumb can dumb be? And I'm like, you got a theology degree, and then you telling people stupid stuff. Christ is the first fruit. Those of us that are in the other fruit get the same kind of glorified body that he got when he come again. That's what that just said. I could even teach my kids this. My daughter Ruby was young. I, I told her, I said, I said, listen, baby, now this is just this is just me giving her uh eight-year-old eschatology. Eight-year-old eschatology is the study of end times and end things. And I said, I said, I said, I said, baby, you know, daddy's coming to get you. I'm not coming in. I'm gonna just blow the horn, and when I blow the horn, you're gonna come out and get in the car with me, and then we're gonna drive off. I said. I said, baby, just like that, the Holy Ghost is the babysitter until Jesus blow the horn, and then he's going to come get us, and we're going to be caught up in the air, and we're going to drive off to heaven with him. My little daughter got that. She got that. She got that. Yeah, 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 the Holy Ghost. Oh, he the babysitter. Oh, I understand what a babysitter is. I've seen my dad blow the horn and me come out. I understand that when the trumpets sound, the dead in Christ going to rise, we that alive and remain going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And those sons that we ever be with the Lord. She got that. So this is serious, y'all. Our faith falls down if we don't, 
we don't understand this. Remember the scripture I gave you before, Romans 11 and 16. For if the first root is holy, the lump also is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So if Jesus becomes the first fruit of the resurrecting, then that means the rest of us get a body like his. I also talked about, okay, you know, ever play jacks? You bounce the ball, and when the ball is up in the air, you grab all of them with the ball, and you take it off. See, I had, okay, okay. You see, I was preaching. See, y'all just playing games with y'all children. I was preaching to her, boy. She has some word up in her. I'm just saying. I had to give it to her where she could understand it, but she could understand it. So if Jesus is the first fruit and he's holy and has a resurrected body, that means I get one too. I must allow the power of the resurrection to flow through me now on his behalf by allowing me to die to my own passions that his power can flow through me. That's why he said, if you, if you try to maintain your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for me, you'll save it. The way, the way to gain is through losing. Okay, that's what he says. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 49. That's, that's a lot of scripture. Well, the, pr the principles are, I gave you all the principles. I just need you to see the word because I want your faith in this. Don't, don't just say, well, Pastor David told me Jesus is alive. Child, please, you better know something that the word of God is a thing that we're standing on. Verse 35, but some will, someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? See, that's, that's always that night of the living dead, that zombie stuff. You know, zombies have gotten faster. Zombie used to be slow. They would still catch you, but they used to move slow. Now zombies run. Did y'all ever notice? Y'all watch it. <laughs> the walking dead, the zombies move faster. Back in the day, zombies was always slow. They would still catch you. I was like, how is this dude? dragging his foot like this. I'm like, how does he ever catch them? But zombies, man, now zombies run. <laughs> I'm just saying. How did they raised up? What body did they come? Verse 36, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Listen, God's going to have to tell you something where you're going to have to die to yourself and be uncomfortable to do what God wants you to do. You know, so I told the saints on, on Friday or those that I talked to on Saturday, I said, I, I minister Friday night. I was very uncomfortable. God had told me to do something and I was invited to a place, but it was a different environment and I was very uncomfortable. I was like, I was very dissatisfied with myself, not nobody else because they made me very welcome. I just felt a certain kind of way. But I also know that God is trying to push me out in different environments, and this was a test run. Okay, I'm going to put you in some places, and you're not going to be comfortable, but you're still going to have to give them the destiny experience, Pastor David. He's teaching me something. That wasn't about them. That was all about me. I ain't mad at none of them. It was all about me. But listen. Everybody's going to have to get into some places where you're going to feel like you're dying and he's going to want you to let the life of God inside of you to come out. 
Because no seed comes alive unless, what's, unless something dies. Verse 37, and what you sow, you do not sow the body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as it pleases, as he pleases, and to each seed his own body. God is the one who determines the seed that you must sow to produce the harvest. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one flesh, kind of flesh of men, another of animals, another flesh another of fish and another birds. There are also celestial or earthly bodies. I mean, excuse me, celestial is heavenly bodies and terrestrial, which are earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown it's sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust, the second man is the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now listen, listen to me, listen. These words here have a, there's a lot Paul packed a lot of content in, in those verses. God told Abraham, your seed will be as the sand on the seashore. And then he said, like the stars in the heaven. If you don't allow yourself to, to die so that the seed will come out, you'll be, you'll be a Christian, but you'll be a dusty one, not a starry one. So he's telling you, if you don't plant the seed and let the life that's inside of you come out, all you got is dust. Now, I ain't telling you you ain't going to heaven, but you ain't producing resurrection life in other people if all you are is a dusty Christian. He don't want just people that's like this dust, the sand on the seashore. He wants us to be like the stars in the heaven. When you get to heaven, all that you have allowed God to work through you we will look at you and your shine will tell how mature you were with God. Just like I'm in the army, if I'm in the armed forces, I can read your medals and know what you've done. I will be able to just look at you and how much light you show will tell everybody how much you committed, how much you really committed and submitted to God. Now you can fool me now, but you ain't going to never fool nobody there. Yeah, some of y'all are going to have some, some black holes and some dark spots for all eternity if you don't hurry up and grow up. Four quick points in walking in resurrection power. Number one, when it comes to resurrection, 
when it comes to resurrection power, the key question is how will the seed I sow produce the harvest God has promised? Number two, God is the one who determines the seed necessary to produce the intended harvest. Seed is a God idea. God is the one who determines. He determined what, what seed would be enough for, for, for Jesus to sow in order to reap back humanity. He determines that this small part of the apple is enough to produce apple trees with apples in it. He determined that the seeds inside a pomegranate are edible. The seeds inside a sunflower are edible. He determined that the seeds on a strawberry are on the outside, not the inside. God determines that. He determines what seed produces the harvest. He determined that if Elijah wanted it to rain, he had to give an offering and put a bunch of water on it because he wanted a water seed for a water harvest. God determined that. Number three, but the seed must go through a process of sowing and dying to produce the fruit for harvest. It's not enough for you to be in seed form. You're going to just be a dusty Christian if you don't finally get up and decide, today I'm going to sell out and become everything God wants me to be. And nobody can do that for you. Every person must decide that on their own. Finally, number four, your earthly seed can produce a heavenly harvest where you move from walking like the first Adam to the last Adam. We have borne the dusty image, but now I can shine with the glory of the heavenly image. The man born of dust, I've I, I borne that. I, got, I, I started with that. That man came first because I was born first and then I got born again. But now if I give myself to the fellowship of his suffering so that the power of his resurrection can flow through me, then other people will be changed. All right. Four pictures necessary to live in newness of life. I'll give you scriptures on this, but some of this I've already given you. Some of it comes from the scriptures we've done. Four pictures. Necessary to live in newness of life. The first one is, I am crucified with Christ. I imagine myself as being one of those thieves on the cross with him. I have an image. I'm trying to give you images. Now, the thieves on the cross... If they wanted to steal, they couldn't. The devil could come and say, I want you to steal something else. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of stuck up right now. Yeah. Now, Pastor David, why are you saying that? Because even though you have resurrection in you, the devil's going to try to come and get you to go back and do stuff 
that you did before you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you have to remind yourself, even if I want to, I can't because I'm crucified with him. I can't do what I once did. I see myself as being crucified with him. See, on earth, we say Jesus died for us. In heaven, they say we died. Because he was crucified for all humanity. I am crucified with him. That's the first one. The second one is, I am buried with Christ. Listen, dead men can't, can't fulfill their appetites. Had a brother here that was a good brother, but he just couldn't win his battle with alcohol. He was cool certain months. But the first, when his check came, we didn't know if he was going to be back for a minute. Good guy. When they put his body in the ground, his body no longer craves the alcohol. So when I see myself as buried with Christ, I am telling the devil and all my impulses, I can't do that stuff no more. That part has died. All right? The third one is, I am married with Christ. Some of us had past relationships that were abusive. And we've had past relationships, you know, that for whatever reason didn't work out. And then we go to a new relationship and we make the new person pay for all of the pain of the old person. I was married to Satan. But when I made Jesus Christ my Lord, he became my husband. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. So I have to see myself as being married to a good man, the last Adam. So I, I don't have to respond out of my old relationship because I got a new one. And I can respond out of that one. And then the last one, finally, I am carried with Christ. When Jesus rose up, not just to the earth and met with his disciples, but he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, we are seated in heavenly places inside Jesus Christ. I'm carried with him. So when I am, when I am addressing the devil, he's not over my head. The devil made me do this. The devil made me do this. Stop that. You got the wrong picture. I'm carried. I can get thee behind me, but I'm seated in a seat of authority, commanding him to get out of my situation. These things don't have to affect my destiny. You never know the effect of your seed the seed of your destiny on those you love. What, what will happen if you really give yourself over? What will happen? You know, when our church was in its earlier forms, early in the days of the church, we were a part under apostles' leadership of a, a, a citywide movement called the Revelation and Praise Explosion. It was a movement where we start to just... God was doing revival and connecting churches across denominational lines, and it was a real move of God. We had not had anything like that before, and frankly, we haven't had anything like that since. 
And uh, during that, we would go to different churches and pray, and then churches and stuff were assigned to pray. And Apostle was given a street to pray over. It was a street called Hammond Avenue. We didn't even know where Hammond was. We didn't know where Hammond was. And here now, years later, our church is on a church that on a street that we prayed for back then. You never know when you sow a seed how the harvest is going to be reaped back in your own life. When we preached on Friday, the preacher that preached before me came and spoke to me about how when he was 12 years old, my dad won him to the Lord at Montrose Church of God. I didn't know a whole lot about that. But what I realized and what I told him was, I said, listen, when my dad had went on to heaven, I was a young man wanting to be saved, and I needed a picture, and his life was the picture. He inspired me. This man inspired me to want to be saved because I saw him as a young man serving and excited and on fire for God. And I was like, if he can do it, I could do it too. So here my dad ministered to him, and when my dad is in heaven, his life ministered to me. You don't know how what's you don't know who's going to be affected if you just obey God. There are lives that will be changed. People you're praying for, they won't be reached by you, but they'll be reached by those who you reach. You don't know whose lives going to be changed if you just go ahead and obey God and sow the seed that he's asking you to sow. Let's stand.